0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis List Podcast. I'm Marcus Alley and joining me on the line in sunny Bournemouth is Michael Gillett. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's a bit too hot for my liking, Um, but no, I'm good, thank you. Very good. Almost fiery down there on the the south coast, I've heard.
1: Yeah, it's it's quite uh, hot down here, but I believe it is actually a little bit cooler than it is uh, in a lot of places, so... Yeah, I'll take the
0: few degrees lower. Hope you're all dealing well with the new change in the climate as we bring you another episode of Tennis Fun List. So just to kick off the podcast, we're going to rattle through uh, a lot of the the major breaking news stories that have come through since we last recorded the pod. And of course, there was a a huge one that really came in, I think, on the day or, or well, the evening after we'd, we'd finished recording last week, and that was... The big news that Rafael Nadal had decided to withdraw from the U.S. Open, obviously a, a massive name, the, the reigning champion. Um, so it was a bit of a, a dent of the hopes and, and the optimism uh, optimism of a lot of tennis fans going going towards that big tournament. What was your initial take on it?
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a huge loss considering Federer is out as well. Um, that's two of the, the big three that aren't playing. A uh, Grand Slam. I think you know it, it's really sad for the tennis fans that wanted to watch a, a really competitive and exciting Grand Slam because, though it could definitely still be really competitive, um, you're you're really missing two big names there. Obviously, we can't criticise Nadal for his decision. though he said that he believes the pandemic is not under control um, and the the health situation is very complicated around the world. And he said, uh, This is a decision I never wanted to take. So, um, yeah, you completely understand why he's taking it, especially considering Spain, um, I I believe, has the highest sort of increase in cases at the moment uh, out of all the European countries. So they're obviously going to be taking restrictions really seriously. Um, But, yeah, massive loss, especially considering he's the reigning champion and... And a lot of people would have been looking forward to watching him play.
0: Yeah, I mean, just one question I think it throws up uh, very quickly is sort of whether the same uh, integrity will be on the winner of the US Open. I mean, it's still. it wouldn't surprise me if it still got cancelled, but it looks like they're still going to go ahead with it amongst a lot of players um, withdrawing. The list that uh, Jose Morgado tweeted out in the week included um, former top tenner, Gail Monfils, Fonini, three-time Grand Slam winner, Stan Vavrenka. Obviously, Kyrgios, which we've spoke about. Another former top tenner in Songa, Luca Pui and Pierre-Hugues Eber. So, I mean, it's a pretty strong list to take out of a Grand Slam lineup, And it does feel like that is only going to grow in, in the weeks that are heading towards the tournament. Um, yeah, just do you think it will tarnish the event and... Uh, and the the achievement of maybe some surprise players that we could see go deep into it. Yeah, it's definitely gonna
1: change how how the event goes, I think. Um just sort of referring to that list you you said there. Um that's three players of the top ten. Obviously we've already mentioned Dal Federer, Monfis ranked at nine as well. Fanini's just outside. Ravarinka 2016 champion at the US Open um even Luca Poyi ranked down at 58 he's made a quarter final in the US and the fourth round so you know some really competitive names being lost already and as you say the list is probably going to grow um unfortunately on the women's side you've already lost the world number one Ash Barty um other than her there's no other players actually in the top 20 that have sent there pulling out yet but I think yeah it's definitely going to change how the, the tournament runs I think we're going to see a lot of players having kinder draws to them potentially and and us looking at a draw and really thinking oh he could get through uh, to a quarterfinal or semi-final when maybe we wouldn't have expected to see them get there Um but you know although it might lose some of the integrity um involved with winning the title if you're a young player like a sort of Dominic Team, Alexander Steph, Stefano Sitsipas you know you, you can't do anything about this and you've just got to take take the shot because it's going to be possibly one of the best chances they've got of winning a grandstand for, for a while
0: Yeah I completely agree I mean we've seen some pretty ruthless chat in the week from from Dominic Team here in a few interviews just stating that you know he, he's got a you got. You can only beat what's put in front of you. He's going to treat it just as if it it, it was a proper grand slam. Um, I mean, for me, seeing a first time grand slam winner lifting the trophy, um, I think Dominic team would would sort of uh, he'd understand that um, his real battles to to win a win win a slam with all of the the higher ranked players than him in it would would be more of an achievement. But um, yeah, do you, do you think it would? For me, it wouldn't go down uh, as, as memorable uh, of winning a slam, say, we, if we do see a Pass or, or a Dominic team lift, lift the US Open now.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think one of the biggest factors in, in how, it, how it goes down in the memory is, is how Novak Djokovic does. You know, say Novak Djokovic pulls up injured in the second round, has to withdraw then, you know, you have to say maybe it does lose all integrity because a player is going to have to go and win their first Grand Slam without having to beat one of the big three uh, the whole the whole two weeks. And you can't have any arguments really then if you say afterwards that it's not as valuable as winning a normal Grand Slam because, you know, it's only fair to say that. Um, it's, it's actually just a good stat. for you you here, uh, I was going to get this in earlier, the first Grand Slam since 1999 that neither Rafael Nadal or Federer has been at. Now, that's a a crazy statistic, and I think that in itself sort of says the the rarity uh, in the sort of situation the young players will find themselves in. I think, yeah, a lot of people are going to be... not as not as appreciative of the achievement if a younger player does win it. But as I say, if you're one of these younger players, you can't do anything about this now. It's a situation you've been dealt. And, you know, if you win the title and people don't really consider it a huge achievement, that's not your fault. You've just got to go and give it your best shot.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can't blame this. It's a great opportunity. You've got to grab it with both hands, I think. Uh, maybe maybe you'd look more fondly on the winner if they did beat Djokovic in the final or in, or an earlier round. Um, but yeah, like you say, the the, the uh, scenario that we really don't want to see is Djokovic pulling out an injury in the first couple of rounds. He's a player of, of course, has had uh, COVID nineteen. So um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, Djokovic plays a big role in the integrity of the tournament all on his own somehow. Which uh, yeah, feels strange, but um, that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, moving on to more of a, a positive to do with the tournament from a, from a British point of view, is that uh, Andy Murray, of course, who has confirmed that having missed so much Grand Slam action in recent years, is definitely going to going to push himself to be the best that he can be at this US at uh, this year's US Open, and uh, he's he's been grind, granted a wild card into the main draw, so. Obviously, uh, it'll have to be a little less stress on his body having to go through qualifying. And um, yeah, like we discussed last week, definitely a player that um, uh, the players above him in the rankings will want to avoid it in the first couple of rounds. Certainly, definitely positive news for Andy Murray.
1: Yeah, um, really good for Andy Murray. It's, he's obviously the 2012 champion. It was his first Grand Slam title uh, and it's his first singles Grand Slam uh, since 2019 last year at uh, the Australian Open. So, you know, but over a year and a half now, and he lost in that gruelling five-set match to Roberto Bautista Agut in the in the first round, which, you know, was by no means a poor showing at all. Bautista Agut, semi-finalist at Wimbledon that year and uh, a really toughly fought match. Um, yeah, it'd be really nice to see Andy Murray at the US. He's obviously playing the Western Southern Open, or, or Cincinnati, uh, the week before. Um, But yeah, you know, Murray obviously probably doesn't have a lot of singles grand slams left. I mean, he's only 33. Um, So if he looks after himself and injury-wise, he does stay out of trouble. You know, maybe he could still have a few singles slams left, but obviously the fitness has been such a big issue recently. But no, I'm really looking forward to seeing Andy Murray at the US. And as we've already spoken about, because a lot of the big players are pulling out, you never know, Andy Murray could actually have a really good chance of going quite far in the US if the draw's kind to him. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Andy Murray getting to a, a third round, maybe even pushing into a fourth. But then you've just got the question, has he got the fitness to play deep into two weeks? Best of five set matches.
0: Yeah, I agree. It is a, a wild card in the sense of a wild card, as in, uh, you know, it depends what Andy Murray we get. Obviously, showed that form to win the, win the title um, in, in Antwerp last year, beating quite a good few players on the way. So he did prove that there is a player in there if he can just just dig it out once again. Um, moving on, and a bit more ATP tour news. And uh, sadly, it was another, another cancellation we have to talk about. And this was of the, the Madrid Masters. Um, so obviously we had Washington cancel, which was meant to be, I mean, around this time. And uh, so there was going to be the Western Southern Open, one Masters and then two in between the US um, and the French Open. So the, the, the latter of that was the Rome Masters, which uh, at the moment is still looking to go ahead directly before the French. But just before then would have been the Madrid Masters, uh, of course, a, a, another clay tournament. Um, and, yeah, usually just a good one to watch for us. But, uh, yeah, that one's been knocked on the head as well.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it's really not a surprise. As I said earlier, Spain has got a, a really bad situation at the moment with in terms of sort of a second wave of infection. Uh, and Madrid even said it's because of the city's deteriorating uh, coronavirus situation and they described them as having no choice. But to cancel the tournament. Um, obviously, it would have been in May, but got pushed back, and then now it's been cancelled completely. Um, but no, not not surprising at all. And you know, we're talking about the U.S. at the moment. That's our main focus. But I really wouldn't be surprised at the moment if things like the Rome Masters, possibly even the French, are going to be in, in jeopardy a little bit because Europe is seeing a, 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 a I, they don't really know if it, it's a second wave, so to speak, but, you know, increased infections in, in all the main European countries again. So it's very possible that unfortunately a lot more tennis could be cancelled at the end of this year. Um, what was interesting is that despite pulling out of the US Open, uh, Rafa Nadal was expected to play at Madrid. Um, I guess because it's his home country, it doesn't mean he has to travel as much uh, I was reading he's only the he, he's a five-time champion of Madrid which kind of surprises me he's only won it five times to be honest but um yeah um that means more lost tennis for Nadal and potentially if the French Open does get put in jeopardy we might not even see Nadal playing again this year
0: yeah definitely definitely a, a possibility of that As a as a clay court lover myself I was a it was a bit more of a blow than losing the likes of Washington, um, but yeah, no, it would be interesting to see um, whether I suppose you could say clay court, uh, not specialists, but um, players where it's their strongest surface, like the Nadal, arguably vavrenka and uh, Monfils as well, both both players that are, well can mix it up on all services, but definitely have had a lot of success on the clay court over the years. Um, yeah, just to see if they. Change their tune, change their outlook, and, and uh, want to try and give it a go. But I suppose it all, it all sort of uh, relies on a, on a different on a different sort of source of information as as in what the state of play is with coronavirus in those countries, and obviously that will change change the opinions of a lot of the players. Just uh, one more thing left then on the on the news section of the pod, and that's the um, WTA tournament in Palermo last week. Um, it was the first WA, WTA main tour event to return after COVID-19. And um, it was quite an interesting week with obviously a lot of uh, lower rank players getting a getting a chance to go deep into the tournament. And it saw a, a uh, sort of unknown winner in Fiona Farrow of France. Um, she was world number 53 going into the tournament and she ended up taking the title. Um, obviously, not so uncommon that you see uh, an outsider win a tournament, tournament on the women's tour compared compared to the men's in recent years. But just something to note that we could definitely see those lower-ranked players have an advantage and uh, yeah, hit the ground running and uh, beat their high-ranked counterparts in the weeks to come um, and months as, as we, fingers crossed, see the return of the tour in some form. So just to mix it up from last week, this time it's going to be me as the quiz master, giving Michael a few uh, trivia questions, and then uh, he's going to profile an up-and-coming player for you, listener. Uh, so Michael, just to kick it off with the first question, it's in two parts. And the first one is, Andy Murray won Wimbledon for the first time in 2013. Who'd he beat, and in how many sets?
2: In In the final?
0: Yeah.
2: Will it be Novak Djokovic in the final? Uh, In.
1: It it wasn't straight sets. I'm trying. Was it five? No, I'm going to say
0: four. Straights, I'm afraid. Was it straights? Yeah, six, four, seven, five, six, four, something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Now you say that. Yeah. I. I had a feeling it wasn't a, a long five setter.
0: Um. But yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It was. He still had to grind out every set. But um. Yeah. Mm. Obviously didn't take a set off him. Uh. And also just another question related to that. How old was he at the time? Murray. Okay. So
1: I know that he's thirty-three now, and this was twenty thirteen, so seven years ago. 26, that right? Uh, I don't know when his birthday is
0: because it might have happened, but yeah, 26. Yeah, correct. 26. Yeah, yeah well done. All right, second question. Uh, I've sort of copied you from recent weeks, so I want you to order these three players in uh, chronological order from their rankings. So go higher, um, yeah, so sort of like the best to the lowest. Yeah, okay. Um, right, so the three players are Luca Puy of France. Feliciano Lopez of Spain and Alexander Bublik of Kazakhstan.
2: So Luca Poyi, um, Lopez, and Bublik.
1: And this is on current ranking or highest ranking? Current. Current ranking, okay. So Feliciano Lopez has still got a couple of titles. Uh, Counting in his points because obviously he won Queens last year. I would expect. Can't think what, but I would expect he probably has one or two other titles uh, currently counting in his points. So he's probably. It he might not be the most consistent singles player because he's getting on a bit, but I'd say he's probably a solid, solid sort of 40-50 ranking. Luka Poy has had some very good. Um, well, actually, I know what Luke Poyi's ranking is because I said it earlier. It's 58 because it's on the list of uh, players that are withdrawn. So I reckon that would be lower than Lopez. Bublik is quite a good, consistent tour player. hasn't really stood out a lot in big tournaments, but has definitely. You know what? I I reckon that's a little bit of a trick. I reckon it's going to go Bublik, Lopez, Poyi.
0: Yeah, smashed it. <laughs>
1: oh, I'll
0: take yeah, that. Yeah, so see, You've got Bublik is 51 in the rankings. Lopez is 56. And Luke mm. is, is 58, obviously, has been in the top 20, 25 consistently in a few years, but in the last few years, but dropped, dropped down this year, yeah. So, yeah, Bublik, <laughs> Poyi and Lopez. He's
1: a little bit of a shame uh, that Lopez, I know, obviously, he's had a brilliant career, but... It's a shame that he's just outside the the top 50 because if you remember what he showed us at Queen's, the potential that he has, especially on a grass court, is just world class. And you'd think even at this age, watching him last year at Queen's, you would think surely he's better than his ranking says.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe at his age, he's got to pick the tournaments that he can sort of turn it on for. He must be 37, 38 by now. Um, But yeah, no, he he has been great to watch over the years. Also,
1: also a tournament director now. I believe he. Uh, I believe he is it. He might even be Madrid that we were talking about. He's. Uh, I know he, he. He directs a couple of tournaments. I think.
0: All oh, right. <laughs> Clearly, uh, friends in higher places yeah. than for Lopez. Um, but yeah. So moving on. This is going to be Michael's up and coming player. Who are you going with this week? So this week uh, I'm
1: going for Novak Djokovic's compatriot. Uh Miomir Kekmanovic. I hope I say his first name correctly. Um so Serbian, as I say. Um he's only twenty years old, so still very young, but he's been on the tour a good couple of years now. Uh and he's at the moment he's ranked forty seventh, so just inside the top fifty, and he's actually at a career high at the moment. Uh so you know it's not like he's peaked as a teen and he's falling down he's still very much on his way up he's got a a career main tour record of 32 wins and 29 losses which I think is quite quite impressive for a 20 year old considering that a lot of those matches he would have been an underdog in as as a teenager uh with not many people knowing him he hasn't won any titles or got to a final yet so he's very um sort of I can't remember what the plat you were talking about last week, Marcus, but um very similar in the sense that uh he he's just sort of grinds out good tour results and, and gradually builds up the points which is really important for young players to be consistent. Um this year he's recorded wins already over Jordan Thompson, um who's beaten Andy Murray at Queens in the past, Joe Wilfred Songer. Uh, former Slam finalist. Uh, they were both at the Qatar Open uh, before he lost in the semi to Andrey Rublev. He uh, also made a semi final in New York. Um, yeah, and he, he's played the last five Slams. He's made the second round three times. Um, and arguably his best win uh, came at Cincinnati Masters last year when he beat Alexander Zverev from a set down. So, and I believe he made the quarter final uh, of. That tournament. So, yeah, just a quite a consistent uh, player who, you know, he's only 20 years old. So you'd think if he stays up in that sort of mix, that top 50 mix, you'd think, hopefully, once we're all back underway, and hopefully during lockdown, he's really been working hard. But hopefully, he can uh, really find some form and, and push up into the top 30, 20 within the next couple of years, and, and really see what he's made of.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you've picked uh, Ketsmanovic for the um, up and coming player feature because he's definitely, definitely someone that we had to highlight if we're if we're going to start talking about upcoming players. Um, yeah, it was Hubert Herkash, of course, that I did last week, and uh, Ketchmanovich has got three years, three years on Herkash. So yeah, he's a he's a very good player to watch as well. Just high energy, high intensity, and um, player, and obviously, who's uh, he got a better person to learn off? Um, being from the same country as as Novak Djokovic, of course, yeah, I would definitely say big things to come from Mihajlo Kecmanovic.
1: Yeah, and it does completely surprise me actually when I saw he was only 20 because I feel that um, I feel like he's been been around playing tour matches for two or three years now, and I would have suspected Kecmanovic was probably 22, 23, a bit like her cash. Um but seeing he's still 20. Um, you know, younger than me and you, that, that is really promising for him that he's inside the top 50 um, at the 20 years old, you know,
0: you, who knows where he can get to. Right then, on to the last segment of the pod this week, and as always, it's going to be guest of player. Hope you've been enjoying playing along at home. Uh, Michael, I, uh, I went first last week, so go on, hit me with your guest of player.
1: Okay, uh, I think this one, a little bit tricky i don't know we'll see how you do uh the first clue is i have never been past the third round at singles grand slam
0: right i mean <laughs> there's probably a lot a lot of players who've done that let's go for felix Orger Aliasing.
2: a good guess but no uh so I've
1: just got to think about what order I want to do these clues in. Um, We'll go for this one uh, second. I'm 30 years old and I've spent most of my career on the Challenger Tour, but in the last few years, I've really broken through to become a consistent main draw player.
0: Okay. Um, There's been a few names that have done that. In in recent years, I think there's there's a few that stand out in my mind, but I don't know. It depends on how far they got to, maybe. Um, 30 30 years old is a good clue to have done that. Um, Let's go with Peter Goyovchik, although he's kind of dropped back down.
1: Yeah, a great pronunciation. Definitely a good point for that. Um, A name that I've never been able to pronounce But I've not chosen him Mainly because I can't pronounce his name Uh, But it's a a good guess I I definitely take my hat off to that guess Um, The second clue I am currently ranked 67th in the world And my career high of 56th Came in April last year After I won an ATP Tour title
0: Oh, you won a title Right, he's really turned up on the big stage. And I was going to say um, Mikhail Kakushkin popped into my head, but he's definitely been higher than fifty-six. Ross, he's won a title, but his career high is only fifty-six. Yuri Vesely. Vesely is can't be thirty
1: years old, surely.
0: I don't know. He's won a title this year. That's where it mainly came from. Nah.
1: No, uh, the, I uh, the title was last year. So um, career high in April last year when I went on title. But um, no, not Yuri Vesely, who I, I reckon Vesely is probably still sort of 27 or so. So I remember him being quite a young player. Um, okay, uh, the fourth clue could give it away if you remember this exact event. If you don't, it's probably not going to help. So this is referring to the title day one won in April. Uh, last year, Dan Evans lost a match point against me at the Delray Beach final,
2: which was my second ATP title. So it's whether you remember Dan Evans
1: losing a match point in an ATP Tour final at Delray Beach
0: last year. Mm, That title has has slipped my mind, I have to say. Um, This is a good one. I sort of struggle and I don't know what country they're from I think with this. (laughs) Uh, Right. Yeah, I thought I would avoid that this week. Yeah.
1: Right. It definitely does narrow it down a lot when you include a nation.
0: Oh, yeah. I think I've got it now. You've got it. I think so. don't know if he's 30 years old but he's been around a while. Is it Radu Albot?
1: Well done. That's a very good very good shout from you. Um, And yeah, that's Correct. The last clue uh, was going to be I'm the top ranked player of my country with the second highest ranked player from my country being ranked outside the top 700. So I think that wouldn't have given it away, but you would have thought well, it, it's a player from a very obscure country. And obviously Radu Albert is from Moldova, um, which actually when I started doing this, I wasn't sure if Radu Albert was from Moldova or Romania, but um yeah, he's, I, I was reading that he's the only person from Moldova to ever win an ATP Tour title.
0: Fair yeah, play Ruddy, flying the flag very well for his country. Right. Did, just, you
1: get that from, did you get that from remembering him beating Dan Evans then?
0: I remember he won a title. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, I don't know, I don't really remember him beating Dan Evans, no. I don't. But yeah, yeah, he had a very good twenty nineteen. I remember that. Yeah. Right then, for my guest, the player this week, the first clue is a career high of twenty six. Okay.
1: Um, it's been up there, but not quite challenging
2: the top ten. We'll go. We'll go for a young guy. We'll go for Alex Dimanor.
0: Good guess, but um, no, it's not Alex De Manor. Um Right. I've gone quite specific as well with <laughs> with this this second clue. It is, I lost the Paris Masters final in twenty seventeen after taking the first set. So he's
2: been in a Masters final. But, oh. This name came into my head for the first clue, but I felt like he's been high. Do you say career-high of 26?
1: Okay, 26. Surely he's been higher, but is it Pablo Carreño-Busta?
0: It's not Pablo Carreño-Busta. Yeah, he's been, like, number 10, I think.
1: Oh, was it Shanghai that he got to the final? of? I'm sure he's... Or maybe I'm confusing him with Bautista. I know one of them... Djokovic at one of those year-ending Masters and, and got to the final.
0: Well, this, might, this third clue might give you a hint about uh, what specific final I'm on about because this player lost that final, that Paris Masters 2017 final, to probably the biggest forgotten man in our tennis lifetimes, Mr Jack Sock. Oh, God. So, Jack Sock. Jack
1: Stock won a Masters. What? <laughs> I saw I
2: saw Jack Sock lose at Eastbourne Live to Oh I can't remember. Um is that German guy. Daniel Brands.
1: Cool, oh, what a fall from grace Jack Sock has had. Okay, um. So there was a Masters final that Jack Sock won. And he beat a player who's
2: only ever got to 26th in the world. This has really escaped my memory. Um, Have you given me age? I don't think you have. No, that's that's the next clue. Okay.
1: Right. Because I'm wondering if maybe it's one of these young players that sort of had a couple of good results at first. Sort of in that Milos Ryanich, Grigor Dimitrov kind of generation, but obviously not them because they've been ranked higher
2: than twenty six. Um. Oh, how about Yuri Vesely?
0: I'm not sure he's ever got anywhere near a Masters final. I mean, i will have to look it up, but it's definitely not I think, Yuri Vesely.
1: I feel, I feel he may have done. I feel like maybe a semi final. We'll look it up afterwards. Could All be right. One.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, the next clue is I'm um, 28. 28. Um, did you tell me what year the Paris final was? Yeah, 2017.
1: 2017, so it would have
2: been 25 or 26. Um, I've got a feeling maybe it was uh, quite a, I don't know why, but I feel it's quite a, big serving player Um,
1: maybe I'm I don't know know, but then maybe I'm just confusing that because Jack Sock obviously was quite a big server Um, I do remember Jack Sock being at the
2: 0-2 finals that year so but I can't remember who he beat in oh you might have double bluffed me because we've talked about him a little bit but 28, no, he's probably younger than that, but I'm going to go for Luka Poitie. No, oh,
0: it's not. Okay. Uh The fifth clue um, is I'm Serbian.
2: Okay, Serbian, so not Djokovic, not Ketmanovic. Um, oh, it's
1: going to be, yeah, I remember now him getting to a Masters final, I think. I might sound stupid if this is wrong, but I think it's Philip Kracinovich.
0: Yeah, correct. Got yeah. a clue. Philip yeah. Actually yeah. one of a players yeah. a player that I really like to watch, actually Kracinovich. Um, sort of been hovering around the sort of thirty mark last couple of years. I think he's currently thirty two. Um, had a
1: lot of injury problems, I think. But would Pardon? I think he's had some quite long-term injury problems.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fell out of yeah. the top 100 and had to come back in. But, no, yeah, it just looks one of those players that really, really enjoys playing the game. And, um, yeah, no, good player to watch it, Krijinovic. Um Yeah, of Serbia. Another another player that would have been a good guess who has also made a Masters final and is from Serbia is uh, Dusan Lajovic. But, yeah, obviously... Uh,
1: that's good. lucky lucky that Krijinovic came to my head first because I reckon if Lajovic had popped in before Krijinovic... If I was deciding between the two of them, I don't know. No, I reckon I would have gone Kravic because now, as soon as I thought his name, I did think, yeah, possibly. But imagine that. I, I, Jack Sock, Filip Kuczynovic in a Masters final. That's a great choice from you because that's a very good uh, clue there because I think that's escaped the memory of a lot of tennis fans.
0: Yeah, Paris, one of the one of the last ones before the ATP final, so... Often a few players pull out, or they're saving their best game for the ATP Tour finals, which is coming up. But yeah, so the guest of players this week Radu Albot and Filip Krajinovic. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Fanlist podcast this week. Just a little plug to finish. You can follow us on Twitter at Tennis Fanlist. We're nearing a very big landmark in followers over there. Um, so thanks for joining me this week, Michael. We'll catch up soon.
1: Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening, guys.